This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. Hi, I'm Sneha Richaria, your host for this episode of Climate Emergency. On this podcast, we have dropped several episodes covering this year's climate conference. You can listen to all COP episodes on climate emergency. Our editor Rakesh Kamal has reported for these episodes from the grounds of COP28 in Dubai. I spoke with Rakesh on his observations and experiences at the climate conference this year. So, uh, hi Rakesh, uh, you've been in Dubai covering the COP from there and uh, we have had a couple of phone calls when you were there, but I was not really uh, able to talk to you at length about what what's happening. So now that you're back, uh, I have been waiting to ask you this question. Uh, how was the COP? <laughs> COP was good. Uh, it was big, uh, but you know, uh, more than good, I think I should say it was big. Uh, because it was huge. Uh, when I say huge, I have not seen a venue that big ever. Uh, the first day, I, I couldn't attend the first week. So I attended from the 6th till the 13th, till the 12th and 13th, I uh, flew back to India. Uh, so the time I was there, uh, the first day, you know, uh, all that I could do was, you know, walk from one end of the cop to another trying to figure out what was happening where <laughs> I didn't understand a single thing, believe me. At least I think uh, for people who go in the first week, uh, everyone is trying to figure out. So <laughs> it's okay. But then when you go in the second week, uh, most you know, most of the people who are already there, they know what is happening, where, uh, who to go to, you know, where the press meets happen, where uh, the media handles happen, what are the WhatsApp groups you should be part of to get you know current information and all that stuff. Now, where the media center is. In fact, I didn't even know where the media center is for the first day uh, because I, I didn't even look for it. I was like just trying to understand everything, just trying to take it in. I think uh, that uh, way it was so big. Um, thousands of, uh, you know, events happening there. Uh, there were around, I think, eighty to 90,000 people who attended it. Uh, and, you know, the way that uh, COP is, uh, in Dubai, not just in Dubai, anywhere, every year when the conference happens, the climate change conference, uh, you, it is divided into two zones, blue zone and green zone. Blue zone is where you have negotiations that happen and, you know, you have side events, you have country pavilions, like each country has its own uh, space where they get to have their own side events and all that. So, so the way that COP works is there are these plenaries where there are hardcore negotiations that happen. Uh, as media, we have access only to some of them. We can't walk into any room that we want. So uh, there are countries which are, you know, represented by, uh, they're called parties. And then there are observers. Uh, there are way too many things that, you know, you need to understand when you go there. And uh, each one has access to different things. Uh, so like I said, you know, it was really, really big. Uh, it took so much time just to understand the basics of what was happening. And uh, thankfully, since I had some understanding of uh, the documents, the text, how, you know, it changes over time, uh, it was interesting to see so closely how negotiations uh, change, you know, the agreement over the time. Like in the, in the two weeks that they have, how things start changing. That was what was very interesting for me to see in this COP. Yeah. And also, you know, uh, because 
i was mentioning that uh, we have had a call and we were talking about how you know what was india's position there uh, what what were the main points of negotiations uh, of course we'll come to that later but you know me also as i also am interested in climate and environment uh, and for everyone who does this uh, one thing that we always talk about is you know going to the cop attending the cop seeing what's happening so i mean i want to ask you what are your notes from being a reporter at the cop how easy or difficult it is to report there of course you also mentioned uh, you know you mentioned the uh, the whatsapp group you know which is also uh, which also means that you have to be connected with all the fellow reporters you have to be connected you have to be very aware about what's happening there on ground you were also mentioning that so i want to ask you you uh, reported from the cop what are your notes from there no no connections are very very important uh i think uh, i mean for people who don't know me i've been like uh, working in this space for around 15 years now uh but this was my first cop uh climate cop i have like worked in biodiversity cop desertification cop all that stuff have been tracking montreal protocol negotiations as a researcher reporter i've been doing that writing about it uh but this one was special uh because you know of the sheer magnitude uh the ones that i attended earlier like montreal protocol negotiations or you know biodiversity cop small you know uh, all of them could <laughs> fit in one big hall or you know in one big conference and connecting to uh, you know fellow journalists reaching out to them i wrote to people on twitter i reached out to friends who i already knew and you know asked them to you know i in fact went and said that this is overwhelming add me to you know uh, how do i get more information how do i know where press conferences are happening how do i know where uh, media hurdles happen uh, so media hurdles are when you know uh, since uh, there are you know press events happening at various places it becomes difficult for media to also go all the way and come back because going there and coming back would be 30 minutes and you will lose all that time so there were experts who were coming to the media center where you know you can just join with all the media colleagues and it's called a media huddle where you get more information uh, so i think the first thing the first thing that uh, you know i learned is to be shameless and ask for help uh, there were you know uh, different organizations which were happy to help guide you know talk about things and then uh, you know getting up to speed was one other thing uh, because i knew that this was the you know cop where global stock take was a big thing where global goal on adaptation was a big thing Uh, the adaptation fund was big i knew a little you know what was going to come but uh, having that background knowledge of what is to be expected from the cop is very important otherwise you would go and just you know see acha negotiation ho raha hai kya negotiation ho raha hai wo samajhne mein it takes a lot of time just to see the text and read it and understand uh, and the thing is these text is an evolving text okay Be- till the agreement is uh, you know until people agree on to it the negotiation right like one text comes then there's more negotiation a paragraph nikalo a word nikalo there will be could would you know it will be like english class you will be like you know you know kya baat kar rahe hain half the time we are like why did they make this change but then you need to understand you need to go and ask negotiators or go and ask experts why this change has come okay there are at times dilution of text is what you know people use uh, loosely uh, dilution happens when you know specific words are removed or uh, specific targets are erased 
सो लूज कर देते हैं विद द लैंग्वेज दैट यू नो इट्स एन इंग्लिश लैंग्वेज टेक्स्ट राइट सो इंग्लिश में बहुत यू नो हजार रहता है टू टाइम्स रेन्यूबल एनर्जी ऐसा लिख देते हैं इंस्टेड ऑफ एग्जैक्ट टारगेट so things like that keep changing and you need to constantly as a journalist compare documents you need to compare the old document with new document you know there are tools uh, online which you can use to compare documents and then see what has changed understanding the meaning of why things are changing all that you know you need to talk with as many experts as possible and get a good sense of why what is happening because again experts also come from different domains na some are you know representing uh, developed countries some are representing developing countries so they also have different sets of opinions who do you trust <laughs> who do you talk to so these are all you know questions that you will have as a reporter at cop and uh, just going with an open mind uh, going prepared very well prepared <laughs> you know reading about things and knowing about things before and helps quite a lot right and uh, you know the other day we were talking about dilution of text you you were you know mentioned that you also wanted to talk about it at length so uh, i mean i was curious about how let's say if you figure out as a reporter on ground that you know there is some dilution happening so what kind of intervention you can make is it like when you know of it you start to talk about it from your uh, you know through your platform whatever platform you have or the discussion gets uh, it gets started within the reporters and how what kind of intervention is a reporter able to make if uh, something like this is identified there dekho uh, simply putting as a reporter we have i mean uh, one of the major misconceptions that people have who come to cop is that they can make an intervention okay nahi hota hai okay we are mere observers of what is happening and why it is happening okay we can we can read and say okay this has happened this text of dilution has happened and that you know developed countries uh, are trying to like how do you tell right you don't have access into all the negotiation rooms or all the back door uh, discussions that happen but the way that you understand is either by talking with experts and negotiators who can tell you things or by comparing the text okay once the draft comes out acha these guys have removed this target so that means that you know they have like given take kuch ho raha hai for them to come to an agreement so what kind of agreement are they coming is you know if it is going to be stronger stronger text is where you know where it is ambitious where you put numbers where you put ambition into it saying that by 2020 we will reduce this 2040 will reduce this or you know the other ways we will make it very vague we'll say you know sometime in the future okay in the near future with uh, available uh, technology at that time things like these words are thrown in to just make it very vague then you realize acha okay this has changed so the target has been removed and it has been made weak which means that the text were diluted so that is uh, the way of interpretation of a uh, as a reporter or a someone who is reading the text uh, to understand what is happening because you know access into everything is uh, we don't really have access into Uh, the negotiating rooms even to go into a plenary uh, you have an escort with you <laughs> as a reporter who uh, you know uh, who is like uh, standing right next to you or you know waiting for you seeing what you are doing all the time when you are reporting uh, that is the level of uh, you know we don't have access into those rooms but uh, yeah and uh, you know uh, <laughs> ironically i got i walked in uh, there was a silent march happening uh, by some young protesters uh, that you know fossil fuel should be completely phased out 
and uh, when they were marching there were some 30 40 of them i also walked with them there were some other 10 15 reporters i walked in with them into the plenary uh, and then you know we got kicked out because media was not allowed into that room so things like this you don't know unless you go and figure out things uh, so but yeah like i said you know the uh, use of text is something that you get understand over time but these are some cues where you know you see what is happening you keep following the text every time the text is out you get notifications or like i said you know when you have friends uh, in the media or uh, you can talk with organizations and experts to send you that information uh, because there's way too much information that is coming out and how do you there's way too many reports that all these organizations you know release every day there's so much of information you need to be able to pick and you know use what you want and what you think is the most effective way of communicating okay and this makes me think of two questions so the first thing is technically how does the information come out of those negotiating rooms because you said that you know as a reporter you don't have a direct access so i'm sure there are organizations re- releasing real time reports uh, out there but you know in that environment do you have to also be very careful about you where are you accessing that information from because it's real time it is difficult to verify it so there will be challenges i'm not saying there won't be challenges because especially with social media people live tweeting uh, from inside the rooms or you know even people transcribe the whole thing whatever every every country is saying okay it's crazy uh, that you have transcript of every single word that is said uh, and there's like lot of people that are talking it's like 190 plus countries were inside and they are all talking right one after another so uh, the way that you know uh, you, you will have to follow everything to be uh, you know uh, to know what exactly is happening around you but uh, every now and then they release a text okay for global stock take there is a document which you know they put forward first they put forward the text then they made it so the way that uh, the uae chair did was he made it like the uae chair is the one who make sure that the text is out okay so uh, they made it very uh, you know what do you say uh, they took it to a point where no one agreed to it okay uh, that was one of their tactics of making sure of knowing the red lines of all the countries so the problem in negotiation is no one comes forward and says what are the red lines what i mean when i say a red line is that we can say you know it's a negotiation right everyone has to agree to a common text so uh, when you when what is the problem that india has like it wants adaptation clearly climate adaptation to be mentioned in the text or it wants equity you know that equitable distribution that clear finance goals are there in fact you know that climate finance is not defined so we want india wants like a clear definition of climate finance to start with uh, so things like these like how much of finance are you going to put in is it going to be a finance that will be replenished yeah so these red lines uh each country has its own red lines and they won't put it out till a, you know a text that they completely don't agree with comes up that was the strategy that uae used this time so right before the final text was done they put out a horrible text and then everyone went you know like crazy that like, you know this is not a text that we'll agree to in fact i think uh, uh, the island country nation said this is like you know signing this draft is like signing our own death warrant okay statements like that came out right someone said this uh, text is like uh, uh, a menu of dead rats <laughs> okay <laughs> statements like these are made uh, which makes you wonder you know if, like what happened that 
in just one draft the text has become so horrible right but the way that uae government uae uh, president who's the chair uh, sorry uae chair who's the president of cork he uh, made sure was like to get the red line sort of people then they went to each and every negotiator and spoke what your red lines are you know if you tell what they are then we will make sure it is there in the text and then you know finally they bought the text they took an additional day uh, you know till 13th morning they were not able to get out come out with a complete text they promised to deliver it on 12th morning at 11 am but it went on till 13th as expected because i think since cop 15 onwards there has not been a single conference every year that has happened uh, except during covid uh, that it didn't go overtime so cop going overtime people like staying all night doing negotiations is something that happens and that you see like the venue is like well, the last day i think i was there till like 10 o'clock it didn't feel like it was 10 o'clock everyone was around trying to find out what was happening how do you uh, when the next uh, text will come out so uh, this is the way that you know that because you have a text that keeps coming regularly you know and the other resources are of course your negotiators you go talk with different country negotiators there are different groups which have access to negotiators who can also talk it needs a lot of research as a reporter to go to a cop you need to do a lot of homework before you even uh, go there because unless you know what exactly is expected what you are going what is going to happen uh, or you know what are the documents that talking about what are there's so many abbreviations okay abbreviations abbreviations everywhere you hear abbreviations you need to know all that before you go so all that itself you know takes like a day or two and then you get into the whole understanding of uh, how you do what you do right and rightly said you know people before and after cop start to talk in abbreviations in fact you have also mentioned uh, global stock take and in fact twice you mentioned and it's i think it's time to address the elephant in the room we've heard of loss and damage funds you know being adopted on the first day of the cop and then of course the uae consensus the stock take agreement we have heard of uh, fossil fuel phase out phasing down coal uh, you know and all of that so we've heard, heard of uh, how this cop has also changed discussions about finance as you were mentioning for example you know climate finance is great but what is the quality of finance is this is this coming as loans you know things like this so what are your notes on this cop and how it has added value to the global fight on climate change so if you can break this down for us so cop uh, you know uh, when you look at it from a uh, macro perspective the way that uh, i mean i see uh, or this is my interpretation of the whole thing is there are you know different kinds of fuels that we use right uh, right now especially in this cop we were talking about global stock take so we were talking about coal oil and gas right these are the three major fossil fuels that we use uh and uh, there has been a very hard push to cut down on coal and let oil and gas be the transition because they are lesser emitting compared to coal coal is the like the dirtiest fuel uh because you know you burn it and there's so much of pollution that also comes out of it there's so much of emissions that happen and so uh, the whole point of developed countries was the unfortunate thing is that they have all used coal in the past and now they have moved to gas or oil and uh, india china 
you know australia we are all coal dependent countries so there is a lot of back and forth that has happened where you know uh, that they did not wanted to say that you know coal will be completely phased out uh, you because it also is energy security right if india says it does not uh, it won't use coal then by let's say 2040 or 2050 whenever uh, it will be a big problem for india in terms of having to despite being uh, you know uh, very big on renewable energy india can't uh, afford to say that they will not use coal they can't agree to it at least i hope it will happen because the rate at which renewable energy uh, rates are falling down uh, there's a good chance that you know we might not uh, be building uh, new coal plants we will slowly retire the old coal plants but how do you do it faster uh, and this is all this whole debate of equity right where uh, the developed countries have used a lot more energy for lot more uh, energy for their development in the past and now when it is time for developed countries to uh, develop there is a uh, you know complete full stop on uh, using coal or it is good for fighting climate change but when you talk about equitable distribution of say carbon space or uh, to limit the temperature uh, the indian government in fact went and said that you know uh, developed countries should go carbon negative not even carbon neutral uh, and give the space for developed countries to go these are all you know war of words that keep happening uh, and that was my macro uh, thing that i felt that you know okay this is how it is where you know you have these countries which are oil and gas rich they are trying to stop countries that are coal rich uh, or you know which which are uh, dependent on it's all also geopolitics that we need to understand not just about climate change uh, for climate change i mean if given a chance all the fossil fuels should be banned out that's what india proposed in the beginning that you know uh, the difference between fossil fuel phase down and fossil fuel phase out so it's like saying we'll decrease it slowly or completely stop it so that is the major discussion that was going on so uh, like I, like we were discussing uh, global goal on adaptation uh, it has been agreed on uh, the text uh, the global stock take global stock take was very big this year because it happens every 5 years and this is the first time that we are doing this kind of helps what we uh, you know what happens in this global stock take helps in the further global stock take after 5 years india wants to do it uh, india wants to host the cop and hopefully the global stock take will happen then uh, global stock take is a mechanism which you know kind of tries to so the way that this process has started uh, i'll very simply i'll take 2 minutes but i'll try to simplify it as much as i can uh, when climate negotiation started they wanted to impose on countries that these are the emissions that you should reduce no one agreed to it right it's a negotiation at the end of the day no one wants to commit uh, a top down approach so what happened was they said each country to come up with their own nationally determined contributions which are indcs or uh, you know saying that acha okay we will reduce this much we will reduce this much every country agreed to it and they submitted in the paris agreement so uh, what happens now in global stock take is uh, you try to get countries to commit to more and say that okay let's get our targets better because we need to stay under 1.5 degrees or 2 degrees right 2 degrees is the best uh, 1.5 degrees is the best 2 degrees is the maximum that you can go to so that is what we will uh, try to strike so stock take becomes very important in that in that uh, scenario uh, because 5 years later again we'll do a stock take uh, hopefully we'll not cross 1.5 degrees by then but there's a good chance that there will because the mm, 
the rules are not really that stringent right now for countries to keep their emissions down but these negotiations will kind of help you know slowly 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 cut down and make sure that countries progress into uh, net zero so what developed countries ask is okay we understand that there is climate change happening we know that we have to move from this technology to some other technology but we don't have money to do it and we are also one of the most vulnerable countries in the world so we need more and more financial support as well because you have used you know you have used fossil fuel to develop now it's also your turn to return uh, by helping us also advance faster so this is the thing that happens in negotiations that is why negotiations are happening and global stock take becomes important so that we have a ratcheting mechanism where you know the countries eventually cut down more but at the same time in global stock take we also need to talk about climate finance we also need to talk about adaptation goals because it is not just climate change uh, we are starting to see impacts of climate change and uh, just money uh, climate finance for climate mitigation like you know putting solar panels or these things will not necessarily only help but you also need money for adaptation so there is separate adaptation fund that has been agreed on yeah. so these are all the things that have happened in this cop so this cop is pretty important in that way uh, and the outcomes of it so one thing that i have realized over time is uh, at the end of negotiation uh, sorry at the end of negotiation no one is happy but everyone is happy that we have come a little forward so that is something that you see every year like at least till the day before the negotiation everyone is saying you know that this is the worst this is dead uh, you know a meal of dead rats or <laughs> like you know you makes you wonder like how things change so much these are all negotiation tactics where people put pressure on pulling it till the last day uh, doing overnight uh, negotiations is also a technique so these are all techniques for making sure that the negotiation outcomes comes out which is agreed upon by all the countries yeah right and you rightly pointed that you know it ultimately at the end of negotiations there are a lot of people just go who just go un- unhappy and you know i saw a lot of people writing on how uh, you know there are big loopholes that are left uh, in terms of you know the fossil fuel industry is left with a lot of scope uh, you know and whatever we are doing is woefully inadequate but anyway uh, Uh, you know there is a lot of crit- criticism also over we know that the cop this year happened in uae and it's the land of the oil right so and they also allowed a record number of fossil fuel lobbyists as i think i also remember we were discussing that long uh, chat in the group that we were doing that night but uh, you know so because a lot of people advocating for fossil fuels have been allowed into the into negotiations this year at the cop what conversations were happening there and uh, you know what did not really come out in the media yeah no no uh, cop is also a great place for greenwashing <laughs> you know like uh, a lot of oil companies i mean the president of the cop is uh, you know he is a chairman of a oil company he owns oil company so uh, what are we talking about you know is what even i feel a lot of times but then that is how it is right like Uh, the unfortunate part this year that people were you know finding it hard to digest was having you know so many oil companies lobbies around doing deals uh, you know not just them i've also met a few who were working on uh, carbon capture or uh, you know technologies that have not necessarily been uh, proven to which are 
you know a lot of times distraction things like these uh, unfortunately take place quite a lot in, in these negotiations so uh, not just oil lobbies there are a lot of lobbies that uh, you know exist in the cop in the venue there a lot of people right uh, uh, 80000 people imagine uh, there's so many people uh, they are people who are uh, talking about you know young people are there right like so many young people they have their advocacy issues about uh, getting better agreement or there are uh, organizations from city city governments which want you know uh, the issue of climate change to uh, negotiations to reflect that cities are one of the most impacted things groups like these are still okay but the problem is when you have oil company lobbies who are uh, doing completely opposite of what <laughs> the rest of them are doing uh, but then you know we have mukesh ambani on one of the boards uh, of cop this year so you know in fact the next cop is happening happening in uh, azerbaijan uh, which is uh, i think uh, the birthplace of oil if i'm not wrong uh, someone told me that uh, they should be fact checked <laughs> but uh, they have been drilling oil for a really long time uh, in a city called baku and uh, yeah uh, hopefully so that's what i was also hearing that the cop after that is happening in brazil and people have more hopes on that than on the cop in azerbaijan uh, but this is something that is happening quite a lot you see that there is greenwashing happening uh, you have you know right as you enter the cop when you right outside of it you will see nice uh, uh, wind turbines okay <laughs> like when when you take the train uh, three stops down you will see all the uh, oil uh, you know I, i think it's a desalination plant i'm not 100% sure but you can see like this oil uh, pipes and fire and everything I'm like this such contrast right here <laughs> at one place you're talking about climate change and right next to it you're burning uh, so much of fuel i mean i don't want to get into the debate about people flying in and all this this is you know something that we've been hearing quite a lot of late uh yeah but you know that is the whole point of cop is uh it's a negotiation it's their countries coming together and it can't happen virtually uh i i know that you know it was probably way too big this time and uh, there has been people have been telling you know talking about maybe keeping the size a little smaller yeah but then you know uh, one thing i felt was there is a need for global south people organization youth to have representation there people from vulnerable countries to have representation there because despite cop being held in dubai which is a global south country you see so much the you know global north organizations global north uh, you know uh, people from global north over there uh, and it's overwhelmingly global north yeah, i think because it's dubai we were still able to see people from global south being represented uh, you just walk into the media room and it's probably 10 journalists from india okay it has like i don't know 400 300 400 journalists sitting over there it's crazy uh, you know like the amount of importance that is given by global north compared to global south is different so even if they want to restrict if they want to decrease the size of the uh, you know uh, event they should think of representation which is very very correct uh, yeah and also you know we we have been talking about you also you know spoke on the group about how you met uh, 
the one person who made headlines the 12 year old manipuri girl from india uh, you said that you know you spoke to her after she protested on the stage uh, and those photos really came out uh, out there to the world and you know we were having some interesting conversations that day and i remember you had quite a few things to say so what was that so uh, this cop in fact uh, i think the first time where a yeah, lot of young people were also allowed into negotiations uh, so young youngsters and kids were also allowed to negotiations and uh, there was a lot of representation uh, of young people uh, i had the opportunity of interviewing three of them uh, four of them uh, really you know interesting perspectives uh, uh, you and i spoke with heeta who is doing you know uh, talking with people who are uh, young negotiators who are going and training them uh, she's doing such an amazing work Uh, i met with akash uh, who you know is doing film making who is like talking about uh, you know take pictures uh, doing his way he is trying to uh, generate he wrote a book on climate change so he's also there talking about his book and he has so many panels on talking on youth representation in uh, climate change negotiations uh, also by disha uh, disha ravi who is also you know such an amazing person she spoke uh, quite a lot about uh, you know uh, of course the youth role in climate change but also about you know how not to have very high expectations when you come to the cop first time as a youngster uh, because she said something like you know uh, she's met people who thought that you know they can come and raise their voice and you know in the negotiation and say no no we want this we want that and like that's not how it works right but people need to have that clarity so she's for feeling well about it and i also met with lisipriya who was the one uh, who did protest and made headlines in india uh, she uh, so one thing that i uh, constantly feel uh, is also in this space especially in climate change um, policy advocacy space you need to have all kinds of voices okay you can't say one kind of voice is needed one kind is not you need someone who protests you need someone who you know advocates family who you need someone who trains who you, you need someone who is creative and can you know talk about it creative so these are four you know four different kinds that i have interviewed and uh, it was great you know talking with all these guys they have different opinions different perspectives different ideologies everything is different but then you know their common goal uh, as youngsters uh, they see black and white a lot of times uh they understand that you know okay you know by not talking about this they are uh you know going to harm our future and they talk about it with passion and that was something that uh, i you know felt across the cop so many young people i think it's good to have a lot more young people bringing a lot more new voice and perspective uh rather than you know experts who bring in lot more uh, <laughs> uh abbreviations and terminologies which get people get confused lot more the urgency which we, uh, we need to deal with climate change comes across when you meet these people yeah correct uh and also you know we were talking about how india did at the cop and i was i remember proposing you know proposing to you that you know we should really talk about india's a contribution at the cop or in fact what india proposed or what kind of deals and agreements did india sign at the cop so you had some interesting comments to make and uh, would you like to share with us what your observations were on how india uh, did at the cop this year 
So uh, I had the opportunity of meeting uh, Bhupendra Yadav, Minister of uh, Environment, Forest, and Climate Change, uh, a few times uh, as a part of uh, some press briefings and some, you know, events and all that. Uh, it was uh, uh, India as a country which is negotiating is very, you know, uh, clear on its stand. We need more money, climate finance. We need technology. Uh, to move, but at the same time, we are not really going to commit on uh, you know uh, how much of renewable energy we will produce. Uh, I mean, on increasing the renewable energy, like a lot of countries went on to say that we will triple our renewable energy and double energy efficiency. Okay, India didn't sign, but India said we'll do it. So, commit on the Indian government does not necessarily always come forward. Uh, they are okay with, you know, uh, officially talking about it, saying that we did this, we did that, and they're uh, clear on their uh, what they want. But then, that is the challenge. The negotiation may you need to be a lot more. There's different ways that advocacy works, right? You have a lot of developed countries. There's so many reporters bashing India, talking about, you know, that India is obstructing the negotiations and all. And Indian government is quite opaque in that manner. They won't tell anything. As reporters, that is very, very difficult when you don't know your country's uh, response, how your country is going to react. Uh, so uh, we were put in a little dark because of that. But I think uh, India's uh, standing change, India's stands being the same and uh, it continues to stay the same uh, from where they started to where they are. They don't want to change their stand. They want to participate in the negotiation, not just as an individual country, but also as part of other groups, they're part of BSA, of, uh, you know, all these uh, coalitions. And they talk uh, on behalf of them quite a lot of times. Uh, even in the negotiation space, they have, uh, you know, on, they are, uh, you know, okay with it, but uh, they want finances what they want clearly uh, so that, you know, they can. I mean, I also agree to them, uh, agree with them to, uh, to the extent that unless you talk about private finance, how can you talk about uh, changing your uh, electricity generation or water, reducing your fuels. That discussion keeps happening.